better to do. Welcome to season one, episode 15? <laughs> 14? Somewhere up there, yeah. Hell, I don't know. Episode, I ran out of fingers, uh, of Nothing Better to Do podcast. If this is your first time, welcome to our hardcore version of a fireside chat. If you're a loyal listener, high fives and welcome back. Uh, my name is Sean. I run Another City Records, and next to me virtually is my good pal, Rich. Hey, folks. Today, we have a special guest. We have Brett Deeroff, vocalist for Prison Suicide, uh, who just dropped a seven inch on my label, Another City Records. Welcome, Brett. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, glad to have you on the show. And, yeah, glad uh, to be here. You know, we uh, we just are a conversation here, and uh, you know, so you are a Michigander. Are you a lifelong Michigander? Uh, yeah, grew up on uh, on the west side of the state, just like uh, Rich there. Mm-hmm. Um, right, like in a beach town, Grand Haven, Michigan. So, and you know, and you hard, know what hard streets it's <laughs> it's weird talking about a beach towns in like the midwest because it's like a beach town like three and a half months a year right yeah. <laughs> beach towns in like when you you talk about it like globally you're like oh a beach town it's beach town 365 days a year just a complete yeah. different vibe well you know i mean i don't know like I guess like the boardwalk in Jersey. I mean, I guess it's a boardwalk 365, but there's no fucking way someone's going to be out on the beach, you know, in, in December. Yeah, I mean, it's out. the same I, way. It's, it's the same way yeah. in Michigan. You get, you get yeah. people walking down the boardwalk in, in the middle of December and you actually get people surfing in December. That's kind of like when like people <laughs> say that's like the best time to surf in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. I'll tell you why I know that you're from West Michigan. Cause your last name. <laughs> my dad hates the Dutch. <laughs> Oof. 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 My wife well, is a my wife is a Dutchie. My no, but not, I'm actually not Dutch. It's German, but oh, uh, yeah, but I, I I can I can relate to your dad actually. There's there's a lot of those. Uh, uh, just it's it's a, no yeah, but it's such a weird thing. Honestly, like my so my dad grew up in West Olive, Michigan, which is, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes from where you were, you're from in Grand Haven. And, uh, he went to, he went to school, high school in Holland. He went to, I think it was West Ottawa. But anyways, the point is, is that like, yeah, like if you're the, it's a thing you don't, wouldn't know anything about unless you live in a very specific part of Michigan. But like, yeah, there's this sort of weird resentment towards Dutch people. Does he hate tulips? <laughs> I think he hates Holland in general, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of sanctimonious assholes there that like oh, yeah. you if you're like mowing your lawn on Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it, it gets pretty bad, and it's still like that. I I, I am honestly surprised. I live in Holland for maybe about a year, and mm-hmm. you get some of that still. It's weird. Well, in Zealand's crazy like that. Wait, hold on. I'm I'm a little lost here. So if you mow your lawn on Sunday, mm-hmm. people are mad at you. Yeah, because yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be a day of rest. There, huh. it's, it's a religious thing. There's huh. this small town right outside of Holland, Michigan, called Zealand, where I think that the McDonald's had to fight to be able to be opened on Sundays. Yes, that's true. So yeah, wild. my my brother lived in Zealand for a little while too, and. Uh, yeah, he he actually. I think he actually once got yelled at for 
doing some kind of yard work on a Sunday. Or when, when are you supposed to mow your lawn? Isn't that like what Sundays are for? <laughs> right. <laughs> like I, like I'm so confused. Like I don't know when. When do people get things done? Well, and here's the thing about it. Like beyond the fact that like you get side side eyes and like maybe even like someone will say something to you about like mowing your lawn on a Sunday. Like traditionally the Dutch people of Southwestern Michigan are neat freaks. So like they're doing it six days a week and then get mad at anyone who doesn't want to do it six days a week and wants to just get it done on Sunday. I'm figuring I would make a shit Southwestern Michigander. Well, as long as you don't live in Holland, Grand Rapids, that like between Holland and like, I don't know, where would you say the cutoff is on that, Brett? Like it's, Muskegon? I mean, it's mostly Holland uh, and Zealand. Grand Haven yeah. gets a little bit of it still, but yeah, by, by the time you get to Muskegon, it's it's gone. Yeah. But to give you a little context, Sean, uh, the, uh, the biggest name that lives in Holland, Michigan would be Betsy DeVos. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh, you know, I... Uh, my wife and I went there for, I don't know, for tulips, um, tulip festival or something. Yeah. And, tulip and, uh, and yeah. I saw like all of these buildings that was at Western Michigan university that's there. No, that's in Kalamazoo. You're thinking of hope, yeah. probably hope, hope college. college. I don't know. There was, we saw like a <laughs> bunch of buildings that had the DeVos name on it. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, um, and I was like, the hell is it? I'm like, cause my wife has like divorces in her family and I'm like, <laughs> like, huh, I wonder if that's related. And like Google and I was like, uh, I hope not. Cause this lady's a piece of shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh they, they own almost everything in West Michigan. If you go mm-hmm. to Grand Rapids, there's DeVos place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they owned, they were like one of the families that owned uh, Amway. So yeah. we have also like Van Andel Arena, who was the other family. And there's, it's, it's all just those two families that own everything in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Chicago we have the Pritzker family, who is now our governor, but his family, like, um, we have like a, a in Grant Park, we have this like a outdoor pavilion called the, uh, you know, Pritzker named after it. There's like a military museum that's the Pritzker. Uh, one of the colleges has a school of medicine that's the Pritzker School of Medicine. It's like Pritzker everything. Which which college is that? DePaul or no? It's a uh, I believe Pritzker School of Medicine. I think is University of Chicago. Oh okay. Oh, so are the sense. are the Pritzkers as bad as the DeVosses? Or <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, well, anybody that has that much money is obviously a probably right. has, <laughs> they they didn't they didn't get that through you know pulling on their own bootstraps. You know, it's got it on the backs of somebody else. But right. Um, I mean, they do do a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the DeVos family owns a children's hospital in Grand Haven or Grand Rapids too. So I mean, you know, they they, yeah. like, they like to disguise their uh, their bullshit under a mask of you know charity. Yeah, but, well, and I guess you could say you know like uh, Daly did a lot of good things for the city, but he also was kind of a corrupt asshole. You know, kind of that whole family, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. like for anybody who's not from Chicago, it's like. The Daly family, they they owned this city for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. It's like another Daly was going to um, 
There was a third daily? Yeah, that was going to run for, for mayor of Chicago when wow. our current mayor won. And it was and it was it's it was crazy because there was such a like a hodgepodge of candidates and um and they knew that like the upper middle class white people would vote for the daily name. Mm-hmm. And so there was some other family that had a feud with the dailies. And so they paid a million dollars for their goofball son-in-law to run for mayor. <laughs> they spent a million dollars for this guy to run with like no credentials. And he's like, look like Mr. Bean up there. And the only reason is because they knew he would split the vote of the people that would vote for daily. So he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be one of the top candidates. So it was just basically a whole race of people cutting them, cutting each other down rather than trying to run a good campaign. Yeah. And then we ended up, and then we ended up with a homeless woman as our mayor. Was she homeless? No, no, but she, she looks like she's like literally a friend of mine from Philadelphia is like, uh, he texted me. He's like, I I was watching the white Sox game and he's like, I think they had a homeless woman throwing out the first pitch. And I'm like, uh, no, that's our mayor. <laughs> is that she? That's your current mayor, right? Yeah, Lori Lightfoot. She's I like remember, four foot three. Yeah, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember there were all kinds of memes of her when they she was like addressing the public about COVID, and she just I don't I the, the memes were all just like you know sassy, angry black lady mm-hmm. uh, memes, but. They they were all great. <laughs> yeah, there was there was one, and it had like it just had like an a brief like a uh, like acronym, so it was just like letters with periods in between it, and it was like twelve letters long. And I, I looked at it, and I was like, I literally know what this says. It's like get your ass back in your house before I whoop your ass or something. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, how did I know what that was just by looking at these stupid letters? I was like, I was like, man, the the Chicago is strong in me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, uh, so I guess tell us your uh, your punk origin story, Brett. Like, how'd you get uh, into things? John Joseph bit me and I became radioactive. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, he somehow ended up in West Michigan. And, uh, <laughs> no, my, uh, my punk origin story is pretty similar to most people my age. It's, I'm 94. I was in fourth grade and got Dookie in my uh, as like a present for Christmas or something. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Green Day was like the first punk band I ever heard, and then uh, just sort of snowballed from there. But then uh, for a few years, because I grew up in West Michigan, got really into uh, the whole youth group scene and <laughs> yeah. became like a tooth and nail kid. Uh, so I, I got. Um, these like compilation CDs that tooth and nail used to put out the songs from the penalty box mm-hmm. that had uh, like early Zayo and strong arm um, stretch Armstrong, all that kind of stuff on it. And that was like my first experience with hardcore in general. Um, and I always thought it was thought of it as kind of like a novelty that was mm-hmm. sort of like mixed in with all these like punk songs that I liked. Cause I was always like more in, like at that time when I was like 13, 14 years old, I was more into like slick shoes like sort of like skate, like Christian skate punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, when uh, I got, as I got a little bit older, like Stretch Armstrong, like really connected with me. Um, and that's like kind of like the first hardcore band that I like remember 
actually getting into and like learning the lyrics, um, which is funny because it's kind of hard to listen to them at this point. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then like um, there was a couple years where I was like mostly into that Christian stuff. Um, but then in high school, uh, sort of, sort of started moving away from it as I mm-hmm. developed a brain a little bit. Um, and, uh, got kind of more into like, uh, like lookout records style, like pop punk, like groovy sure. and shit. Um, and we used to like drive out to Chicago and go to the fireside bowl and see groovy ghoulies and teen idols and the queers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, after, high school is like kind of like when I really got into like the Grand Rapids scene um, and discovered like Comeback Kid and Champion and those bands like through mm-hmm. some like mutual friends um, and that stuff just like immediately connected with me just like the sort of more positive hardcore um, so then I just like dove deep and got you know like looked at all like the old Rev stuff and mm-hmm. you know everything from there so I mean it's pretty standard especially from West, West Michigan you know starting out as a tooth and nail kid you know, not not to interrupt you, but it's uh, it's weird. Like I like the Christian stuff. I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I was living in Philadelphia, um, I was still running my old label, and my ex wife worked at a a gym teaching yoga, and she became friends with somebody else that worked the front desk of the gym. She's like, "Oh, you should hang out with my friend's husband," and I, like. I don't know about you guys, but like if my wife's, uh, you know, something I'm with is like, oh, you should hang out with my friend's spouse or significant other. I just groan and roll my eyes and I have n- no interest. But she's like, he runs a hardcore label too. And I'm like, that's weird. And uh, so I met him and it's like a, like a f- kind of a Christian label called Indianola Records. Oh yeah, um, they did like Life in Your Way. They did remember. like Evergreen Terrace, Casey Jones, Across yeah. Five Aprils, A Day to Remember, and yeah. so I was like, so like, you know, come be friends with him. I was like, I had no idea <laughs> what the hell Cornerstone Fest was, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we go and we sell out of everything, and, and yeah. I'm like, this is wild, man. Like I, yeah, I I saw some of the best shows in my life at Cornerstone. Like I went probably from 99 to 2005, I think like every year, like just religiously, you know, mm-hmm. no pun intended. It's just like went <laughs> every year. Uh, and shows were nuts there. Like I, I just remember like being 14 and terrified in like a uh, NIV pit, like just, you know, tons of giant meathead Christians swinging their head their you know, fists at me. That just seems like, like an my oxymoron. <laughs> giant meathead christian <laughs> it, it's it's funny that you you mentioned that about uh meeting some dude in philly who did one of those labels sean because like i always thought of that as a like very like uniquely midwestern thing the kind of youth group to hardcore pipeline like well my friend matt is from like the georgia florida mm, um, mm, and he ended mm. up his his significant other moved to philly and he moved with her um and uh now he lives actually lives in louisville hmm. ironically enough um there's a lot of that here i think too yeah but, but like, it's a, it, it's you know it was it was like a whole nother world and he told me the story of how when he was a kid like his parents were like if you throw away all your secular music 
<laughs> we'll buy you whatever religious music you want. And that's sort of how like he ended up getting like into like Christian, you know, hardcore metal and like, you know, through that. Mm-hmm. I always like, love that term secular music. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a term. Else, but, yeah. yeah. That's a, I, it was like terms I picked up that I never thought I would pick up in my life. Growing up buying like a lot of like my CDs at the time in like Christian bookstores, it was always funny. They would have these little uh, like pamphlets. It was like, if you like this, you might like this. And it was for they always fans got, of, so, yeah. yeah, it was always like, they got it so wrong. It was like, if you like, you know, nine inch nails, you might like skillet. You know, and it just like just completely dropped the ball. And it, I remember the one time they they did really get it right. It was like if you like Bad Religion, you might like Craig's brother. Um, and they were like this like skate punk band that kind of sounded mm-hmm. like Bad Religion. Um, but really, all that just all that did was made me check out Bad Religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead, you went for the the band with the logo that had the the cross and the circle with the bar through it. <laughs> right. I will say though, Craig's brother holds up. It's very good. If anybody uh, likes bad religion and you can get past <laughs> the uh, vague Christian lyrics, uh, the album homecoming is awesome. But, you know, and, it, and the thing is, is like most of these bands you're mentioning, I, I have no clue who they are. Like outside of like bands like Zayo and strong arm. And I guess like a lot of those eerie bands were, like Christian, like uh, Brothers Keeper, Disciple. Well, yeah, Disciple definitely. And and what was their Shockwave? Shockwave. That was all dudes from Disciple too. I think my old band did a Shockwave cover set. Like we we did the dress up and did the whole flag waving and everything. Man, people yeah. love that band. I, I I probably should at some point revisit because I know so many people who just love that band. So it's hard. fine. But it's it, it's exactly. It, it's no. like it's like uh, okay hardcore with a Transformers theme. Like, yeah, I, I can't. You can't go wrong with that. Me, yeah. yeah. Well, like, and and for me, I grew up in the southern part of West Michigan around Kalamazoo, and like that, like that was definitely not like cool. Like Christianity was not cool. Like, I think a few years in, I met some like straight edge kids from like Holland and grand rapids and they were all most of them were were uh were christian which i didn't have a problem with at all but it was just like such a foreign thing to me like outside of like bands like Sensefield that in in like i said zeo and strong arm and that whole kind of thing wait was Sensefield a christian band well their like lyrics vaguely... were very christian yeah mm. john bunch went on to sing for further seems forever yes later. yes mm-hmm. which is Yes, yeah, which is weird vague. that he committed suicide. Yeah, I think I think I mean I don't know. Like I think he had some possibly even some like kind of issues with drugs. From everything I'd heard, he was a super nice guy. But yeah, I think he had a lot of shit going on. Which yeah, yeah people love that guy. Mm-hmm. I I never met him, but I was I'm a big uh, Sensefield fan. Actually, my best friend met his wife at a Sensefield show many moons oh, ago wow. well you had did you listen to the what was the i think their last lp or the one bef- the one before i only listened to the rev ones okay there was yeah the first one on a major label has a song called save yourself which is a really really good song but it's so christian it's like um it's about like 
cherishing like your your virginity <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's pretty wild but yeah that's awesome and yeah i it... never i never saw a sense field. never really got into sense field but i did see further streams forever with john bunch singing once was, that dude could sing yeah. yeah he really could uh, when they had the the rev um tour or whatever they they were fantastic held up really well like on the like the reunion thingy or yeah well they had the, like the two-day fest there's like the hardcore oh, oh one. yeah um i don't was know if it was a tour 25? yeah i don't know if it was a tour or if it was just in a couple of cities but um i whatever reason i couldn't make the hardcore one but i was like i'm not missing sense field so I, I went to the uh the other one and Who's the sh- the like the chef? He's like a famous chef that's like fat and has the goofy colored glasses. Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember. He was there. He was standing next to me at the show. A fat dude in Chicago is like that's like. <laughs> I mean, I like. I remember when I lived on the East Coast, and initially I was planning on moving back to Chicago. I was like, man, I can't wait to not be the fattest dude in the in the room at a show. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Elliot. It, that's the name of the the, cook? the, the yeah. Okay. He wears he's, like he's the white those, glasses. Uh, he's not one of those cooking shows, right? Like MasterChef, I think. Yeah, but he was he was standing next to me. I'm like, hey, it's that guy from that thing. I sounded like Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> you're that dude. You're that dude. <laughs> oh shit, you're the guy. Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how does, how does being like fully Midwestern, you know, shape like your, your musical-ness, like uh, the sound of your band, how, how does that, you know, being Midwestern do that, uh, you know, cause it's much different than being a coastal band. I think, uh, I mean like coastal, coastal bands all have like a specific sound, we were talking about this recently at like uh, um, we were heading back from our last show in Detroit about how like, you know, like Boston has a, the Boston sound and New York has like a New York sound, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like there's, there isn't really a Midwestern sound. So it kind of like lets you do kind of your own thing, um, you know, drawing from like those other scenes and everything, but like, it you know, you don't have to like necessarily be beholden to, you know, one kind of style. Um, so I think, it, I think because of that and because like, you know, most people aren't, aren't even going to hear your band because, you know, to play the next biggest city, you have to drive at least three or four hours, you know, you, you just kind of like do what you want to do. You don't worry about, uh, necessarily what everybody else is doing around you. Um, so I think it's just, I guess, like a sense of freedom, I guess, with, you know, that comes with the openness of the Midwest, um, but, uh, you know, that being said, we do draw a lot from <laughs> like coastal, like, like we, we're all like big, like Boston hardcore fans. So like we do draw a lot from mm-hmm. that, but. Well, but, and that's uh, definitely something I hear a lot of, like, I hear a lot of right brigade in you guys. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of my favorite hardcore bands, you know, like of that era. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, Ryan from uh, last gasp was saying recently that uh, one of our song, new songs sounded a lot like Suicide File, and I was like, that's like the highest compliment you can give me. So, 
Huh. You know, I, I think I know which song. Yeah. It's the second, yeah, second one that. on the new EP. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild. Never so, thought yeah. about that. But, yeah, it, you know, like I'm, I'm a Midwestern kid that lived on the East Coast. Well, mm-hmm. uh, Philly's not really a coast. Sorry, sorry, Philadelphians. You you don't touch a body of water. Uh, well, you touch you touch a river. I well, mean, everybody, everybody touches a river. You're every bit as coastal as DC was by that by that standpoint. By that, like, well, you know, I, I mean, so there you go. i will call philly mid-atlantic anyways i lived in a in a mid-atlantic city that claimed to be east coast and uh and it was you know shows were bunched by like bands that sounded similar it was like Mm -hmm. this is how it was but it was weird because i i grew up going to you know shows here in the midwest where it was just you could have the the goofiest lineup you know like I saw Alkaline Trio with AFI, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like it was a, a fest. It was like a, at a bowling alley. That was the two headliners. Or I'm looking at a flyer right now for Good Clean Fun with Arma Angelus <laughs> and Deaf Choice, who was like a you know mm-hmm. youth crew type band. And so, like, um, like just an eclectic mix of of shows. You know, where you mm-hmm. just like I, I always thought that was cool because. Um, yeah, you know, you it's like a unique Midwestern thing of of having just these eclectic shows. And I remember back in the day, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones would bring like an eclectic mix of, of bands on the road with them. And uh, as a Midwestern, I always appreciated that. And I'm like, because that's that's not how it was in other places. Yeah, no. that's how that's how all the shows were growing up for me. Um, like we used to have shows at like the Fruitport, Michigan band shell. Uh, there were always just like these outdoor shows and it would be like a, you know, uh, just like a pop punk band next to a street punk band next to a metalcore band, you know, next to a ska band. That's how it always was. Like, I don't think I ever went to a show that was all just pure hardcore. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's something interesting for me, like, you know, growing up in the Kalamazoo area and then like, eventually moving to Chicago and then to DC. But like from there to Chicago was like, I don't have to like sit through a ska band anymore to, to see, (laughs) to see a band I want to see type of deal, you know? Um, But with that said, like Sean said, there was still a lot more variety than when you live near the Eastern seaboard where like everything's so codified. So, yeah, the, the most Midwestern I've ever seen somewhere else was um, my wife lived in uh, Ithaca, New York for a good while. And uh, we went up there to visit and I saw like this like bar that was going to have a show later. And it was and it was like an eclectic mix of people like, you know, the bands were very similar, but it was at least an eclectic group of people because they really Ithaca is not a big enough town to support a goth scene, a punk scene, a hardcore scene, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So it's like they, they all have to have like one unified scene. So it looks like it looks like, a, you know, a bad casting director putting together like, a, you know, a movie. <laughs> They're just like there's the goth kid. There's the 
the kid with a mohawk and it's like they're all the stereotypical kid like the you know they just look like they pulled them straight out of that section of hot topic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i mean that's how my high school even was like it was you know if you had any sort of relation to any kind of uh or any any sort of interest in any kind of like underground thing whether it was punk or indie or anything you all hung out together oh yeah it, for sure like because it was just like the five of us you know like versus everybody else but what's weird is like in high school i did not know a single other kid that listened to anything close to what i did like Mm. my high school it was like if nine inch nails played on a thursday friday at school 80 percent of my high school walked in with their new brand new nine inch nail shirt and (laughs) you know if uh Foo Fighters played. They all came in the next day with their Foo Fighters shirt. It was just whatever the the alternative radio station played. That's what they listened to. And and it's funny because now as an adult, there's a group of people that like, you know, I, I wasn't friend. I wouldn't say friends. I was friendly acquaintances with. And now like, like I see them at all of the not big shows, but um, Rich would be like. Uh, metro type shows mm-hmm. so like i'll see them at all of those and like they they booked a fest and like they had naked ray gun play they like uh one of the dudes owns a a brewery and like they had naked ray gun and they had like all like these you know bands like sky and punk and hardcore bands playing and it was like this is so weird because like there was there was no signal signal flared uh, when I was around, and I'm like the like the weird kid that's taking the bus to to shows in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is kind of weird seeing, seeing like that, that sort of like uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, normie scene kind of embrace a lot of that stuff that you grew up with. Like uh, that Founders Brewery in Grand Rapids recently had Dinosaur Junior and Easy Action play, and I was like the people going to founders want to listen to easy action. Like that just (laughs) didn't sit right with me. It's street cred. Yeah. Well, like (laughs) that, that's actually for me personally, that may have been what like eventually drove me to hardcore punk was that like the things I was liking people I hated at high school were starting to like. So it was just like me finding a way to like distance myself from them be like i don't know it's it, typical teenage like type shit but yeah yeah i'm looking at this so these, these kids that like uh that i went to school with here's here's one of their fests it's like me first in the gimme gimmies the suicide machines mighty mighty boss tones mustard plug bucko nine uh the naked ray gun 88 fingers louis the bull weevils the eclectics i'm just like you know, the Eclectics are still a band? Apparently. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny. I've listened to a handful of episodes of you guys, and it's funny to me how often Mustard Plug comes up. Because <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I'm actually pretty good friends with their bass player. He's actually the guy that uh, recorded the first two Prison Suicide LPs. <laughs> but, huh. I've seen that yeah. band like 50 times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, growing up near Grand Rapids, you can't avoid it. I saw them once and they kind of killed Scott for me because before that I liked like Op Ivy and 
I didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with the first wave, you know, ska stuff, but like it was so many people and they were all so happy and it was just bumming me the fuck out. Like, like, (laughs) Oh, that is such a rich thing to say. Yeah. They also had like a funk metal band, Brett. I don't remember their name anymore, but I saw them actually play at a, I want to say it was like a, a VFW hall in Grand Haven. Like, oh. I, God, I can't Eagles Lodge. Eagles Lodge. Yes, it was. Yes, you're right. It was like on the second floor. I, I saw a couple of shows there. Yeah. But like, yeah, it it was, they were this weird sort of funk metal band as well. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but like, I, I mean, you know, at in that era, like when I was like high school, there was, you know, how did you find out about, you know, bands? Like I started, like I'd heard some hardcore bands and mostly it was like punk stuff and like some third wave ska and some hardcore. But like I, it wasn't until I like hit college that it just like my, I met my best friend who like he'll claim to this day he didn't have it, but he had like a bunch of integrity records that he swears up and down. He didn't own. I'm like, where the fuck would I've heard these records, Brad, where the fuck would I've heard these records? Um, but like, you know, we started going to shows all over, but it was like, at the time it was like, I was going to see every night of the week. I'd be like, I'd go to a ska show this night. I'd go to a shoegaze show this night. I'd go to a, a metal show this night. I'd go to a hardcore show this night. And, you know, I, I still listen to occasionally a handful of ska bands like, slapstick is still awesome but you know it was when i first heard went to like started going to like hardcore shows I'm like oh man this really does speak to me like i, I get this this makes sense to me mm-hmm. well you were lucky because of going to school at depaul you were like a mile or two from two of the like major venues in the city you know like right down the road from the fireside and not too far from the metro for that matter you know closer to the metro really yeah. i never realized that well okay you know you, you guys not listening to christian music missed out on some great christian ska <laughs> like uh <laughs> the uh the insiders from detroit uh they had two albums uh scalleluia and scalleluia 2 oh wow <laughs> <laughs> they were uh they were pretty amazing. It was all like praise songs, but done in, in the ska. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were so many weird ska. There was Scatalica, I remember seeing on a fireside flyer once. Scatalica. There was, they weren't really a ska band, but you probably remember this band, Sean. Luke Skywalker. I have, I have all of their records. Yeah. And like, they, I guess they kind of started out closer to ska, but by the time I saw them, they definitely were not at all, but they chose to keep the name for some reason. Yeah, then they got like to be like that noisy like stuff. Yeah. Very decalbish. That yeah. uh that actor Oscar Isaac actually sang in a Christian ska band for a little while. I knew he was in some bands. I didn't realize he was uh God Squad. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember what they were called. Not not great, but <laughs> Huh. That's, yeah. that's um that band figure four is a Christian band, right? Yeah, they it was um 
couple of the guys <laughs> that are now in Comeback Kid. Yeah, I remember once back in back in the day, uh, is the dude that does this is hardcore volunteered my house for Figure Four to stay and sp- spend the night after the show, <laughs> and uh, I'm like I don't know these people, like I have no idea who these people are, and so, um, they play the show and. I was like, hey, I'll just ride with you guys. So, and my ex took the car and I was like, that way you're not trying to follow us. You could just, I'll be in the car, give you the directions. And their um, van was in an alley and uh, a fight happened at the end of the alley where somebody got beat up pretty good and was just laying there in a pool of his own blood. And they couldn't get their van out. And two of the people in the band are just bawling their eyes out. Like, what is this happening? I don't understand. And I'm just like, well, let me go move him out of the way so we can get the van out of here. And (laughs) they're like, you're so nonchalant about this. I was like, what am I going to do? It made for a long night. Yeah, I can imagine. It, I think it was uh, the singer of Figure Four and the guitar player are now basically the singer and guitar player of Comeback Kid. And I know that those guys are not Christians anymore, or at least one of them's not. Or, I don't know, but I know Comeback Kid's not like a Christian band. But that didn't—I didn't even realize they were still a band, to be quite honest. But I, I, that, that's definitely not really something I, I look out for, anyways. I suppose, but Comeback yeah. Kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've liked an album since like their second album, but when they changed singers. But uh, yeah, True. they're still a band. They they mostly play like that, like like the European festival circuit. Oh, well, so that's like where the money little... is. To be quite so they're in right. hardcore yeah. retirement. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I literally don't think I've ever heard a comeback kids song. Oh wow, I've heard the records are really good. As I recall, they kind of sound like Bane, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah I'm not a fan of Bane. I'm not either, but... <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I can I, like I can get behind the Can We Start Again song, just because like, I don't know. People get it. That's like get the all. only Bane song I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You're not the first person that said that. They're like, oof, I don't like that song. I'm like, it's literally the only one I can get behind, and, and it's, I'm not like a big can we start again guy but um like, that chant is fun live but it's that that singing part at the end is like the most 90s thing i think that's ever existed it's like it's, I, I just like you know what i'm not gonna knock anybody but when like bane broke up and people were crying and like i don't, I don't get it like mm-hmm. it's lost on me yeah that's funny. pretty much yeah, i they're i love that band <laughs> but did you cry when they broke up? I didn't cry. Okay. <laughs> I guess I can't think of a band that if they broke up, I would cry. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Unless I was in the band, I couldn't see that being a thing for me either. I um, think I would just, it, any band that I'm in, it, as soon as we break up, it's usually more of a sense of relief. than a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's usually a reason that bands break up. <laughs> It's like either I don't have to deal with this jerk anymore or it frees up money. That's always a thing too. Yeah. 
so, um, you know, how did you get started with prison suicide? Um, so me and, uh, my buddy Damien, uh, who's like the guitar player in prison suicide have been in bands together for quite a while, like going back to like, I don't know, 2004, 2005. Um, and we kind of like parted ways with one of our older bands and then both went on to do other hardcore bands in like the Grand Rapids area. Um, and those bands, you know, got fairly popular regionally. Um, and then uh, once once both of those bands had kind of ended, uh, neither of us had anything going on. Well, he has his like label and a bunch of like solo projects going on, but like, as far as like a hardcore band, neither of us had anything going on. So I reached out to him and said, hey, let's start a band. And he said, cool, yeah, let me, text the guys and in 10 minutes came back to me and said yeah this guy this guy and this guy are all ready and set you know so we had to practice the next week and wrote an album in a day so (laughs) wow yeah that's it just kind of like all fell fell together and was john massell an original member yeah yeah he was our original drummer it's crazy who also played mustard plug for a little while yeah (laughs) yeah he did (laughs) so why didn't I put stickers on the front of the seven inch saying X mustard plug? It? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's not in the band. Anymore. I know. It's, <laughs> I would never have put X mustard plug anyway, but <laughs> at one time, a member of mustard plug played in the band. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great sticker. He's pretty vocal about his dislike of mustard plug musically. It seems like though. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's anything that he, I could ever see him listening to for pleasure. <laughs> I think it was just a, a payday for him, or I don't know yeah. if, if it would even be a payday. But I think I think some of those bands made some good money, you know. Yeah. No, they. Yeah. yeah. Like that that scene at that time was like, I mean, when when you have major labels dipping in and creating, you know, bands to <laughs> to market, like that's you you know, there's cash there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that like. I mean, there was a period of time when the suicide machines, I'm pretty sure, were doing really well for themselves. I can't say that for sure, as I only kind of had some knowledge of of the band band pe- the people in the band. But like, I think they still I make. Think, I think they still like make a chunk of change from that band. Yeah, they they if they anytime they play in Detroit, they headline, mm-hmm. you know, the Majestic theater yeah. which is like the metro basically and they mm-hmm. sell it out immediately yeah so i think They're, you know i'm not saying they make a living but i'm sure with you know their their digital and um you know playing out occasionally they probably still make a nice chunk of change yeah yeah it's at the very least it's a mortgage payment or two for each member of the band i would think um, but like if, yeah, if there was no money in that genre, there would be no, no, uh, real big fish. Right. <laughs> Rich is just like, I don't even want to think about that fucking band. I'm trying to think if I've ever heard them. You have. If, weren't they on the basketball soundtrack? Now I got to look. I didn't even, I think... I've never even thought about the basketball soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I think they covered, uh. That war song, Why Can't We Be Friends, possibly. 
Oh, that sounds about right. That that whole Scott scene was big into like covering shit like that back then. Yeah, you, like, Rich, you nailed that on the head. <laughs> I don't even no, they, they, I don't even know why I haven't saw that movie seen uh, that movie in so long. But they did take on me. Oh, take on me. Okay. Yeah. So, um, looks like they have a couple. The, here's the soundtrack to basketball. If this is not '90s, <laughs> Real Big Fish, Nerf Herder, Deep Blue Something, The Super Suckers, Soul Asylum, Cherry Pop and Daddies, uh, real another Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, The Dickies, and Smash Mouth. Damn, is Deep Blue Something? Is that uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? I think so. They they sing like a. I know they sang like one popular song. I think that was them. Um, <laughs> that is that is probably I think that's more nineties than the uh singing part at the end of Can We Start Again. Yeah, they do sing <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hell yeah. I'm glad I knew that. You know <laughs> bands are one hit wonders when you go to their uh their Spotify and their <laughs> and Yes, I know what you're about to say. The top five songs are the same song. Just from different records. Yes. Yeah. Like them playing it live, their greatest hits, the record it was originally released on. Yeah, it's a single. It's the baseball face, soundtrack. It's the face to <laughs> face effect. Like, face to face is a good band, but everyone's like, play that one song. God. That's so. That I guess now we're talking about basketball. That movie was about as 90s as it gets. I mean, has fucking Jenny McCarthy been in a film since? <laughs> no, she's busy anti-vaxxing. Is she is she also anti-COVID vax? Um, I don't know. She's anti-vax Probably. period because uh, it causes autism, apparently, according to Dr. Jenny McCarthy. Basketball is the uh, uh, South Park guys, right? Yeah. 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 I think that one missed me. I don't think I was allowed to watch it. Uh that was uh, I was still a little kid when it came out. <laughs> I don't I don't know that it was good. I don't think it was very good. I get it depends on how stupid you want to get. It's like the movie Dirty Work. Like it's really kind of not. Well, do not bring down Dirty Work to the level of basketball. <laughs> like I love I love the South Park guys, but basketball was a miss. What was you the, know what they're? Did you ever see their first movie, Cannibal the Musical? I love that. Well, I think they did um, Orgasmo before that. Oh, was that? That's that's. I haven't watched that movie in ages either. But Cannibal's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That that one was like kind of like a hit with me and all my friends. Can- Cannibal the Musical was before Orgasmo. Uh, Orgasmo. I think that was their student film. Oh, like really? Kind of, yeah, oh. it was kind of like how they got their start. Well, and I guess it was on Trump in was distributed by trauma so i guess yeah. that makes sense yeah. uh, to be fair the south park spirit of christmas was before cannibal the musical oh was that a live action film though no no that that was their four minute uh introduction to uh south park characters yeah that was oh, like, okay. all, like stop motion yeah like everything was cut out of like like felt or something yeah it was the original iteration four minute iteration of uh the south park characters yeah, yeah. South, South Park is a thing I have. I don't think I've seen a second of South Park in 15 years. So true South Park story is one year for Christmas, um, many moons ago, I got a DVD player. <laughs> and uh, 
like I knew I was getting a DVD player because my cousin gave me a gift of a DVD. So it's like, oh, hey, <laughs> like, because we would do family, like bigger family, extended family on Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning hours. So it's like Christmas Eve, I got a, I got a DVD. I'm like, oh, hey, I wonder what I'll play this on. And he got me the South Park DVD. And my mom, Christmas morning, is like, oh, let me sit with you and watch you, the new movie you got. Oh, she did not last long for South Park the musical or the the movie. She 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 barely got through the first song, but when it was the second song, which is um Shut Your Fucking Face, Uncle Fucker. Uh <laughs> You're a boner biting bastard, Uncle Fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn, you just fuck your uncle all day long. Uh, she tapped. She couldn't she couldn't hang anymore. How old were you when this when this came out? I don't know. I was. Uh, you had to at least be a teenager. Oh no! Let's see. It came out. Not. I was. I'm a, just. I'm, I'm imagining watching this with my mom, and she would have broken it in half in front of me. Yeah, I was, she was probably. She was also a children's tw- pastor, so. I was probably like 23. <laughs> I was like 23. Okay. I was an adult. Okay. Like she was just like, I'm gonna go in the other room. <laughs> I don't know why I don't know what logic was going through my head but sometime in my 20s when I was living in DC I came back home to visit my parents and we went and rented some movies and I decided to rent, rent Wet Hot American Summer for some reason to watch with my parents because I thought it was hilarious and I thought they'd think it was hilarious <laughs> they didn't they, like it was either that joke's stupid or like my dad was really bothered by the gay sex scene. <laughs> God. Yeah. You yeah, should that, make that them seem to like, it would resonate with the, the baby boomer crowd. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's like watching the extended version of the sex scene in team America world police. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're just like, all right, what, what is the limit to one of our, our regular fans where they can't take it anymore? And let's add 50% to it. <laughs> They're like, let's just keep Good going. Lord. So it's, everybody's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, honestly, as, as the gay scene sex scene kicked in, I felt quite uncomfortable myself. I was like, why am I, why did I think this would be a good idea to watch with 50 something year old people? Like, but <laughs> Yeah, in like 2002 so, when that came out too, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. So were your parents like super strict about everything you watched, Brett, when you were a kid? I not not horribly strict. Like, um, my my mom mom actually worked at the church. She was a children's pastor. Um, but I mostly had kind of free roam with whatever I you know wanted to do. Is like I I think it's if they heard from their friends that it was something that I shouldn't watch. I think they just mm-hmm. didn't want me to watch it. Like I couldn't, I wasn't yeah. allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy, but I could watch the Simpsons, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So I mean, what, what about Ren and Stimpy was so, was it just that the art, like the, I think it was because it was so gro- grotesque. Okay. Like, yeah. That, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't necessarily content. Cause I don't think they were aware of the content, but. Oh, and it was, in terms of most of the content, I guess I would call it maybe PG, but yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too, too terribly bad. I remember, like, I had to, like, I, I was the kid that when I went to a sleepover, if the kids were going to watch a rated R movie, I had to call my mom to ask if it was okay, uh, you know, to watch Speed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mean the bus that couldn't slow down? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I would say this, Brett, you're probably lucky. I, and maybe you experienced this a little bit. My, my parents, so my dad grew up in a very religious family, but my mom did not. And they weren't religious, particularly. If you were to ask them, they'd say they were Christians, but never went to church, you know, um, drank a lot, all that stuff. But, but anyways, like during, I was coming of age during the satanic panic. And I was really into metal, you know, before hardcore punk. So like, my mom was always freaking out that I was going to like, I was going to, to kill people because I liked, you know, some thrash metal band or whatever, you know, like, I, you know, and, and I guess you kind of miss that. There wasn't a whole lot of that, you know? Yeah. I think my parents kind of were comforted by the fact that I was listening, <laughs> like, even though I was listening to Zayo, mm-hmm. you know, they knew that it was a Christian band. Yeah. Although I do have like a memory of listening to Zayo at night to go to sleep one time because they get kind of droney and I was actually like able to fall asleep to them. And my dad burst in the door like while I was like half asleep and was just like, turn the satanic garbage off. And I was just like, you know, like woke up like from, you know, like this like sort of like weird, you know, metal dream that I was having <laughs> to my dad just screaming at me. I was like, they're, they're a Christian band. It doesn't sound like it. You know, I'm like, I don't know. But my, my mom was, my mom had me when she was pretty young and my, my mom and dad had a huge age gap. Like my mom was like two months old when my dad graduated high school. Um, so like my dad was, it was weird, like very strict about music. Like he had his, like what he listened to was Kenny Rogers and you know dolly parton and that's what he listened to and if you didn't if you liked anything else he thought it was i don't know satanic but my mom like i remember when beastie boys licensed the ill came out my mom went to the store with me and and she bought the record for herself and so like my mom was like pretty cool about music but um but then my parents with like television and movies had these really i don't even know how to describe them. like these very strict lines that you could like you can't watch like where they decided you can't watch this but it was so random what the lines were that there was no way to predict it it was just they, <laughs> they were just like these random like you can't watch movies where people throw up on purpose like all right and it's just arbitrary and so like I was totally allowed to watch, like, I mean, as a little kid, I I was like six and I'm watching like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and by myself, like no sitting there watching it. But then my mom would lose her mind if there was like boobs on TV. She'd be running. She'd be like, she'd be like, don't look at the woo woo. And she called it woo woo. <laughs> and she's like, don't look at the woo woo. And she'd cover my eyes. And then when it was over, she'd be like, okay. And then, you know, I could watch somebody's head get caved in with a 
<laughs> um, a musket or whatever. And like that was fine. Um, they were they were really upset when they found out that I would stay up late at night and watch Benny Hill because they thought that was like <laughs> pornography. And I was like, this is just it was just so wild there. There was kind of a views. lot of there's kind of a lot of tits in Benny Hill. Like I I, I have nothing but love for Benny Hill, but like, yeah. Like, like, I, uh, I could, I, I swear to God, I had, I couldn't understand Benny Hill, but there was something about it that was just like, y- you will appreciate this someday. Keep watching this, young man. <laughs> it's like my future self talking to me. That that whole thing reminds me of uh, my mom's like favorite movie growing up was uh, that movie Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like rated PG thirteen, so I was like allowed to watch it. But it was like the only PG thirteen movie that had boobs in it, and so my mom owned it, and I would watch it over and over and over and over again. I'm like, "Mom, you love Rewind. this movie, right? You love this movie." <laughs> it was like the, my only chance to see boobs when I was like twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that thing where my parents would like put their hands over my eyes, like <laughs> like if we like if we'd go to see a movie somewhere my dad would do that. Like I remember mostly it was for nudity, but I do remember and this is going to show my age, but towards the end of the drive drive in era, like we went to see John Carpenter's the thing and something else at, at a drive through or drive in or whatever. And I just remember my dad constantly putting his eyes over his hands over my eyes because there was so much gross shit that happened in that movie. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like, we had a drive-in theater, like, mm-hmm. near where I grew up, which is, it's, now it's like a an outdoor movie. It's like the parking lot for, like, an outdoor music theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they call it now, but it used to be called the World Music Theater <laughs> in Tinley Park. But the parking lot was was a drive-in movie theater. We never went. And like, that seemed like it would be right up my family's alley, you know, Mm -hmm. less expensive than going to the movies and you could sit in your own car. We still have one in Muskegon where I live now. Uh, It's uh, the Getty four drive and they, they, every, every night in the summer or maybe, maybe it's only on the weekends, but like they do like double features on four different screens. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's still the same thing. You hide your friends in the trunk, (laughs) you know, get in and, bring your own popcorn and all that shit. It's, it, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I haven't been in years, but it's still going. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been a handful of times, but it's a, it's a blast, you know, like I haven't been since I was a child, but the, I have a couple of, of drive-ins within like a half an hour of me. But like, from my understanding, the lines to get in are just crazy. So it's like, I don't have that kind of patience for most things. Like if I find out that I have to stand in line for something, I usually won't do it. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny during COVID, like the, the revival of the drive-in theater and mm-hmm. the drive-in theater dictated what was number one at the box office. So it's crazy. You would look at like, I, I I'm a movie guy. So like, I like. I like looking at the box office numbers as they come out and just watching it during the pandemic, like especially early on when the yeah. theaters were like dead closed, like the actual indoor theaters. And you'd be like, number one at the theater, Jaws, <laughs> <laughs> the original Ghostbusters. 
Indiana Jones because that's what the drive-ins were playing. And you're like, okay, well, you know, the the entire number one at the box office was driven by like 87 people in, you know, a Midwestern drive-through or drive-in. That that was like a thing that they were doing here a lot, though. I don't know if they were doing it in your area. They they were doing like pop up drive ins, like in like the parking lots of regular movie theaters. They would just stack like uh, semi trailers huh. over each other and like project movies onto the side of those trailers. It was like a huge thing. They were doing it like I've I've heard of places over. doing that, but yeah, I don't know of any personally. Yeah. Well, Rich, the music box had a like a drive in. It's during the pandemic at some point i never went but mm-hmm. um yeah well seeing a movie at the music box would have been a super spreader event if ever there was <laughs> one so yeah you know what's funny is so i've gone to a few movies since like covid like actually mm-hmm. we went like um right right before the shutdown when it was like hey this is covid like with my daughter, I I have a daughter who's about to turn seven. And whenever she does like, I don't know, her chores and like does her music practice and whatever, like she can earn going to the movies. And uh, she's like, I want to see this movie. And we're like, okay, we'll go. And then we like masked up and we put gloves on and we brought like, <laughs> like a Lysol wipes and wiped everything down. And, and we were like the only ones in the entire theater. I'm like, this is wild. Like, why did we do this? But since then I've gone a few times myself and it's weird. Like nobody else is going to the movie. So it's actually pretty wide open. <laughs> it's, yeah, I've gone, yeah. I've gone to a few since, since it's been back open. And yeah, I, I always have like at least, you know, a perimeter of 15 seats on any side. It rules. <laughs> seeing, seeing Candyman was my first experience in a, in a theater again, but like, because so many theaters also have like recliners now. It, I would say that the theater we were in, it wasn't packed, but it was more people than I would have expected. But like, because everyone's in recliners, there's just automatically a decent amount of of uh, of distance between you and, and the other people. So, Yeah, well, I went to see, uh, I don't know if you guys heard of the movie Nobody. Um, it has yeah, uh, Bob, Odenkirk Bob, Bob, movie. Bob Odenkirk in it. It's like Bob Odenkirk's version of John Wick. And uh, so I'm, I'm at the kiosk, like buying my ticket. And there's like a, I, I live in the city of Chicago, but like I live right where it touches like a suburb. And there's a, a small theater, like it's I don't know, half mile, mile from my house. And it's super convenient to go to. And I go in at the kiosk, buying my ticket. So I have to talk to anybody. And there's a guy there that he he kind of looks like um have you ever seen tim and eric awesome show great job mm-hmm. yep. the 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 guy that's in the hardcore scene that was in um ink and dagger yeah the bigger uh, guy n- not eric, tim heidick or eric yeah white wareheim yeah. yeah it looked he looked kind of like him and he's like he's with a cashier and he's like you know oh how much is the movie does this come with a meal Oh, is there any discounts you can give me? Oh, and then he's like going back and forth. He's like, can you, can you give me your employee discount? And he's like, no. He's like, do I get a discount on anything? 
And then he's, and then she's like, you know, she puts it on the screen, the price, and he puts his hands like behind his head and <laughs> looks up at the sky and is pacing in a small circle going, Bob Odenkirk, you better be worth this. And he bought a oh, ticket wow. and he, the theater had, I don't know, maybe 10 people in it total. And he stood up in the back the whole time. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be an active, <laughs> active shooter situation. He's standing in the back. That almost sounds Jesus. like a Tim and Eric sketch, like was being filmed without you knowing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it was like, at one point, I'm like, this probably has got to be a skit. And, and it carried on way too long and with not enough people watching. I was like, all right, this is not a skit. This guy is just weird. <laughs> yeah that's wild he's got a covid brain <laughs> Good Lord. uh and he had one of those like 80s like uh coaches like uh those coaches jackets that like button up and they're they're made of the that satin the satin yeah he's yeah. Wearing, he had a satin jacket on <clears throat> this guy was ready ready for battle i have like a brand new have heart satin coaches jacket that I like never wore. I wonder what I could get for that on, on Depop these days. That's, mm. that's another band. Like, like, I don't hate them or anything, but like, I don't get why people cry at their shows. Yeah, they, right. they did. They, they really hit a nerve with people. I mean, I like the demo of <laughs> that dude. <laughs> that, that was uh, a, like a huge band for like my entire generation. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would I think my wife would tell you like they're her favorite band of all time like um and I, I love them too like we we actually went we went to the reunion shows out in Boston um and yeah I mean they were pretty fucking incredible <laughs> are, are you ma- are you married to a, a hardcore kid yeah yep <laughs> yeah my my wife listens to like um Simon and Garfunkel and um and like uh who's the anti-vax guy that sings like brown eyed girl oh van morrison, van morrison. Van morrison. <laughs> like that's what she, she listens to like that and she i took her to a hardcore show one time once yeah. uh i think i heard you say, you mentioned that on a previous show that like somebody punched you in the face and she was just she was yeah just <laughs> yeah she's done no more <laughs> I, I i was temp like i'm if we had a babysitter, I would have been able to bring her to her second hardcore show tomorrow, going to see uh snuffed with naked Ray gun. I'm not naked Ray gun. Uh, negative approach. Negative approach. Negative oh, approach. Nice. I was, I was, yeah, I'm really bummed. I, I just tried booking snuff for uh sweat fest this year and uh, they couldn't do it because Carly's going to be out from uh, having surgery. So, but I was going to have like pretty much the whole, another city roster on sweat. Fest this year. <laughs> <I think laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that record, that record, that new record they have, it's all recorded. It sounds incredible. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I have both of the tapes they put out. Yeah, they, uh, that band, that, that band rules. Th- they played uh, a set at um, Dreary North Fest last weekend. And, like, they, they absolutely had the biggest reaction on anybody. I was, it was super awesome. I can't wait to, Hate Five Six recorded it. So I'm, I can't wait to see the footage. Oh, nice. So, what was he? He was at the whole fest. Like he, he recorded everybody. He recorded everybody. So it was a uh, 
I sponsored the fest, so I had a banner in the back, and so I'm I'm excited for all of the eight five six footage to to have my banner in the back. <laughs> right, <huh? laughs> that rules. Yeah, that looked like a pretty cool fest. Did wasn't Bastard Noise originally on it, but then did, uh, it looked looked like they were like on the original flyer, and then yeah, they anymore. they dropped off. Um, so a bunch of bands had to like drop off due to like COVID reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So like uh, this band from Cincinnati called Slut Bomb was supposed to play, and two of their members got COVID, um, so they had to cancel. Uh, and then Bastard Noise was supposed to play, but they, um, I, I something happened, they couldn't, and uh, so then uh, Dwid from Integrity's side project, Psy Warfare, played. So okay. Dwid came out from Belgium. <laughs> Nice. They they spent some money to fly some dude out from Belgium. Jeez. Yeah, they did. And uh <clears throat> um and I I never met Dwid before. Like I did a record for them with my old label, but I had never mm-hmm. met him cuz he's always like since I've known him he's lived in Belgium. And so he was like and I bought a test press for the uh, Integrity Nothing split. Um that they did for like a was it two minutes to midnight? Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought, he had a test press. So I bought the test press from him and he was like, uh, I'll mail it out to you when I get back from the United States. And I was like, well, I'll be at that Chicago show. Just bring it. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, why didn't you tell me who you were? <laughs> he's like, uh, and, um, but it was cool. Cause he, he came up after snuff set and was like, that was, that was really great. It's great set. I was like, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool that he like remembered you. Cause what did, what did you release for integrity? Um, I did, uh, um, a live record. Um, like it was like a c- CD with a, a DVD of a live. Set. Was it that Palm Sunday? Yeah, thing? It was the Palm Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's sweet. Did, did Clint release that on vinyl, Sean? Clint released like a couple of labels actually released it on vinyl. Clint did. Okay. And I forgot who else. I actually bought my copy of it on vinyl from Chris Bridge Nine. Because he, huh. he sold me his copy. I think I've I've bought a couple <laughs> records from from Chris uh Chris Ren as well. On uh just off of Discogs. Like he's always selling shit on there. He hustles, man. That guy hustles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if the Yankees suck shirts are selling like they used to. <laughs> I, th- I think he does pretty well with that Sully's brand. I think he does. Yeah, I mean they. I mean Bridge Nine is really not doing anything. No, not mm-hmm. really. Um, no, it's 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 like screen printing and and that Sully's. I think their biggest band probably right now is Spine. They have that War on Women band, which I think. Oh yeah, yeah, they're totally yeah. That band's probably the biggest band. You're right. What about the yeah. Polar Bear Club? Well, in terms of current bands, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I always like wonder what their next step is because he, he just like bought like I've been following it on Instagram. He just bought like a new building in Salem somewhere, and he's like been renovating it, and uh, it looks like you know he's like gearing up for something. So like hopefully he's like trying to. Well, he's opening a record store. Oh yeah, I think that's like part of like the whole thing. It's like gonna be like a record store, Sully's, and Bridge Nine all in like one building. Yeah, 
Um, I talk to him like, I don't know, reasonably often. Um, but it was, uh, it was funny because I don't know if you guys ever read that, that book he put out about like the first nine years or whatever. Yeah. And I, I, I bought it. And when I got it, uh, I, I just, you know, I read it in like one sitting. It's not that long. And, um, it's crazy. Like it talks about all of the, you know, the drama from lumberjack declaring bankruptcy and, you know, them funding Thorpe records to try to torpedo bridge nine. And I was like, Holy shit. I like, this is like a, tr- I like messaged him like trigger warning, man. <laughs> he's like, you know, it's funny. He's like, I never thought about it. And he's like, he's like, a, a several people messaged me that had labels that went under because of, of, um, lumberjack they they messaged me and they were like holy shit that brought back some like some some bad flashbacks man and he's like he's like if i ever repress the book he's like i, I will i'll put a trigger warning there he's like because it's he's like i had enough people tell me that it, it, that it you know it really did you know stick with me i had no idea that that was why thorpe was funded like the way that they were it well i knew thorpe <laughs> had a funder they had a yeah. an investor and, and i didn't know who it was I, and I, I guess i never really thought about it because he had i mean andy didn't have any money andy was like no bro and like i know because when he declared bankruptcy he he was facilitating all of my european distribution and so when he declared bankruptcy went through like the toledo bankruptcy court I got like actual records of like what he had. And like the guy literally had nothing. He had like a car and that's about it. And um, he had the one label was in Thorpe was in his name. And then he had that sailor's grave records. That was like his mm-hmm. boy stuff was in his wife's name. And like, they both declared bankruptcy and it was wild. And I thought Thorpe was out of like, out of like, uh, Western Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh area. Uh, it was originally out of Delaware County, right outside of Philadelphia. Um, oh, okay. And then he got hired to work at Lumberjack. So he moved mm. his family out to Toledo. Ooh, and sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's on par with Delaware County. And, uh, and then <laughs> I, apparently they must've been the ones funding him because suddenly he went from like having no money at all to, He's signing Slapshot and Madball and, you know. Yeah, Down to Nothing and Ramallah and they had all yeah. kinds of bands on tour. He, he had all, all kinds of money. Thorpe, though? I mean, like, they're like gone now, right? They, it's not like yeah. they're a thing anymore. No, I mean, the website's still there, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Like, why pay for to keep the, the website up? Well, like. Do they, what's... do they have a store still? Like, are they still trying to, like, sell some of that, like back catalog or i don't know maybe let's see i mean you could probably find copies of march to your grave on cd or the final plan my luck split like that, that's the thing that you think some of that like early down to nothing stuff if they kept that in print would mm-hmm. uh fund a little bit yeah well the thing that is so weird to me is like at that time like i know that cds still sold but like the fact that he wasn't doing vinyl for any of his bands was really weird. He, he, he didn't, he never wanted to do vinyl. Like 
like I did, I licensed the blood for the blood for blood and the slap shot from him to do the vinyl mm-hmm. because he had no interest. So wild. Well, I mean, like I would be willing to bet that Sean O'Donnell probably turned more of a profit by doing that striking distance LP on vinyl than, than Thorpe. Although the, you know, the profit margin on CDs was so much bigger. So who knows? What was that? Sla- what Slapshot record did you do? Was it old time hardcore? Um, it was, a uh, 16 valve. Hey, was no, no, it was, uh, man, I'm... short wave warfare. No, that was, no, it was, uh, now you're gonna make me look it up. I don't... <laughs> um, it was uh, tear it down. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I had that on CD from Thorpe. Yeah, like I put the I put that record out, and uh, I did the the Blood for Blood, um, the Serenity album. Oh, nice. And you know, like I don't know, he, he didn't charge me very much, like a thousand bucks or something. Huh. <laughs> I think I think I heard. The way he he at one point there's a band I'm not gonna mention them but he signed a band, um, but what he did I guess he had people looking out for him to tell him what was like what bands were good and you know that he should sign. Anyways, he sent an email to this band with the contract attached. Being like, hey, I'm really interested in you. Here's a contract if you want to sign with Thorpe. For real? Yeah. Wow. Well, to be fair, the person who told me this who was in the band is kind of a bullshitter, so maybe not. But I'm going with it because it's a good story. Yeah, well, if it's a good story, it's got to be true. Yeah. Yeah, but that Out to Win record was good. That Pride Kills record was good. The conviction yeah. discography that that should have been on vinyl too. But. I know, like, I want to bootleg things, bootleg it and put it on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now you could probably license all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he doubt- no, he doesn't like me, so he would not license <laughs> it to me. And he probably still has like lifetime contracts with stuff. Oh wow! Didn't. So he he actually had a stake in in Lumberjack? No, I think Lumberjack was funding him. Yeah, okay. Because Bridge well, Nine left Lumber I mean according to that that book uh Lumberjack decided to or uh Bridge Nine decided to leave Lumberjack and Lumberjack was pissed about it. So mm-hmm. they were funding Thorpe to try to steal business away from Bridge Nine. Such a weird thing. Like Bridge Lumberjack. Nine was the hot label at the time, so like there was no way they were going to be able to win that battle. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, Thorpe Thorpe was like the wish version of Bridge Nine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um. You know, but it's a uh, it's over in water under the bridge apparently. But um, I'll never forget forgive the uh the douchebags that that ran Lumberjack man. They screwed so many people over. Did you have distro through them? They were my exclusive distributor. So they owed me like a ton of money. Like 
it basically bankrupted the the label and they had all my product because they were my exclusive distributor so everything would pretty much just go right to them and they would handle everything and and when i they closed like i didn't get they were supposed to ship everything back and then when i started calling like uh where is everything nobody was answering the phones nobody was answering emails so they probably just threw it in the trash all my other stuff yeah yeah i've heard stories about that or like that about other labels i think even like chris ren said something like that in that book about like yeah about lumberjack just eventually not even returning people's phone calls and shit yeah it's yeah like if i ever see dirk i like i'm i'm not like a fighter but i'm just gonna punch (laughs) him right in his face like so much heartache and like you know i built this label and it just you know you're trying to you know you try to tell bands i'm like uh i can't i'm like i can't do anything because i literally am underwater and it was like a weird thing because like i had taken out a loan to to do to do this integrity record and it was like more of a like a um like a uh you know cash flow thing i was like okay well you know i'll take this loan out and then once i get paid for other stuff i'll pay that off and um and then there was no cash flow coming in because lumberjack started being like super behind on things and i'm like um this sucks man and like i was friendly with like a bunch of people that worked there and finally one dude just like i'm gonna authorize like i don't know like a thousand dollars to go out and i was like all right i appreciate that because like at least i can pay like this you know pressing plant bill and uh but he's like i don't know if i can do anything else and he's like talk to our accountant or our you know accounting person who was Dirk Hemsath's brother. And then it was just like nobody answered emails and um and I emailed finally Dirk responded was like and I'm like I haven't got any money s- since this and he's like well you're lucky you got that. And that was literally the last thing he said. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's man it was wild. Like that that literally changed the face of a lot of record labels when they mm-hmm. they went closed. It was him and who else was involved in uh, Lumberjack? Eric Astor, I think, was. I don't know. I always knew Dirk. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You're doing a label now and you don't have to deal with distributors, so that's... Yeah, I mean, you know, I have distributors, but it's like I I don't send enough where if if they fold, it's going to bankrupt me. Were they doing P and D for you when you were doing Swix City or No, I was Okay. Yeah, I mean I could have, but I liked I like doing everything myself. It's better that way, that way you don't have to feel like you owe anyone. Yeah, I don't like to owe anybody. And you know, I just did it all myself and you know, like I know now that like um Death Wish does like P and D stuff. Like I think they mm-hmm. do, I think Safe Inside is like P and D, but it's um I don't know. It's like, I like, I like doing things myself. I like assembling records. Like Brad, I sat here with watching, watching movies, assembling your records, you know? Nice. (laughs) Oh, when I was doing the test press, uh, 
uh, covers. Like that, I love doing that shit myself too. <clears throat> Just sitting out in my garage, spray painting record covers. Uh, not much more to add to that, but <laughs> well, I, I have a question. So that uh, they look amazing. What? How did you make the uh, the like the 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 label or the band name like bumpy? Did you put like stickers down and then spray over that? Yeah, it's uh, it's like just like a decal that you'd put on, like in, like a vinyl decal that you put on the back of a car. Okay. Uh, just put that over top of the or on the actual record cover, and then just yeah, sprayed over it. I actually sprayed gold first before I even put the stickers on because my initial plan was to peel the uh, stickers off and have gold underneath. Um. But like I, I did one and it took me about two hours just to do one and it looked like shit. <laughs> so like I, I, I did all the rest of them and they looked cool the way they were. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just go with this. So I, I'm actually ha- really happy with how they turned out. So you have one ultra rare variant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I kept that one. For um, myself. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you this, Brett. Do you, so for the new EP, do you have a band camp or like, the reason I'm asking is I know it's on like Apple music and Spotify, but I have a, a, one of my old homies in Michigan who for some reason refuses to pay for any sort of (laughs) streaming service. Like I'm trying to hook him up just so he can check it out. It's, it's on the, uh, it's on the another city band camp, but it, Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Like the, like, doesn't Spotify free if you like do it on your home Wi-Fi? Yeah, no, you can get it for free. It's just he's too lazy to even download the app. Like he uses you, he uses YouTube for everything. Huh. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, another city Bandcamp. I've had I, I've not been able to find it. Huh. Like I like I looked up like another city records Bandcamp, and it's like a band called Another City. There's a there's a <laughs> band called Another City. That's I think so. Yeah, I'll send you the link um, afterwards. Okay. Um, yep. But, um, yeah. So you want to tell us about the, you know, the 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 current lineup of the band and and you know writing the the new EP. Tell us about that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like the so the current lineup is me, uh, my buddy Tim, who I played with in a band called Tall Ships, uh, back in the day, um, and then uh, Damien Master, uh, who is. He's, he's kind of like a, uh, he, he has this band called a pregnant light, sort of like a, um, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know what to call it. Like a shoegazy metal, like black metal band. Um, that is kind of like his main focus or whatever, but, um, yeah, it's uh, all over the place. It's what I could say about that band. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they've, they've blown <laughs> up kind of big. Um, and then, uh, just our buddy, Eric Crawford plays drums, uh, just like guys I've known for years. Um, but uh yeah we just uh i don't know <laughs> there's not much to say about it <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's, it's funny um you know before I, like we started talking like uh uh eric and i had followed each other from like he does the the lo-fi horror guy podcast yeah. and so like we follow each other would talk about stuff because like I'm a big horror movie guy and and I had no idea he was in the band. So it was yeah. uh <laughs> it was like, hey, look at that, you know, small worlds. Yeah, he he actually was like I think the first guy that mentioned you because you were you did the uh ill communication record and he was friends with those guys. 
and we were talking about looking for a label to put this record out because it's been recorded. I think we recorded it in February of 2019. It's, oh, wow. I mean, it's yeah, it's been just kind of sitting there for a long time. Um, there was another label that was going to put it out a while back, but it like didn't end up working out. Um, and then uh, so we were just like looking looking around for a label, and Eric mentioned you, and. I knew I, I saw that you were friends with Rich and I was friends with Rich on, you know, Facebook. And I just like, I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Let's hit this guy up. So it worked out great. Yeah. Uh, Rich and I have been friends. Rich, when did we come? We become friends. Mm, I'm, I can't 2000-ish, remember. 2000-ish, 2000-ish, I would say. Yeah. Easily 20 years. Yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's a... It's funny, like when when you listen to, like hardcore and stuff, like the people you meet, because you know they're not. F- even if you don't talk to people regularly or you lose touch, they're like, they're always your friends, and like, uh, you know, it's not fleeting friendship. And you like bump into these people, or you know, you, you rekindle friendships through stupid message boards. It's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Hardcore is a weird thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I. Uh... I, I, I've definitely got a handful of friends I met on the, the B9 board from way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Like, uh, so my my best friend, we were college roommates. And uh, I mean, this is, God, this is, this is a long time ago. This is in the 90s. And uh, we would, our, our college had a computer lab. And the way the internet would go is, like you couldn't trace anything back there because like uh the way the the, the internet was set up you, you at best you could trace it back to that university mm-hmm. and we there was four of us that like um like two dudes were like punk rock dudes like you know um they were listening to like i don't know like you know punk stuff like a uh, chicago punk rock stuff and um they and then me and my best friend were like hardcore kids and we had an account on the old rev boards oh <laughs> and we would just we would just like all use the same account and just like be the most like obnoxious person on, or you know account on there and you know it, the old message boards were wild like you know the bridge nine was was tame compared to to the way the old rev boards were yeah, I've heard stories of the Red Board. That was a little bit before my time, but even Bridge Nine Board was the Wild West. I yeah, shit, people would say on there, and if they were to say it now, they would be. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, excommunicated. Yeah, but. that was that that was way before cancel culture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I it, I want I wonder what like Chris woke up one day as like you know what the Bridge Nine Boards are a bad idea. <laughs> Doesn't it still it, exist in some form? Like, isn't there like a like a mock bridge nine board that like still has like the same background, and there's still like a handful of people that I don't know. Maybe I, I think yeah. it exists somewhere. I think somebody told me that. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was called, but yeah, I should look for and that. I haven't posted on the B nine and well prior to even even it going down. I think 2007 was probably the last year I was I even looked at it really. Yeah, I it used was to, the heyday. 
I, I would post yeah. I would post on this like website called PAHardcore.com, which became uh, stereokiller.com and it had like a huge number of of members, but it was it was literally just all shit posting and <laughs> shit talking and it was I, I one day I was just like I can't I, I just can't do this and I literally woke up one day I'm like I I can't ever go back on there and I never did people were like did Sean die like <laughs> like <laughs> like people literally thought I died because they were like you know I just it was like right before I moved back to Chicago so I was like I didn't see a lot of the people you know in person anymore and it was just like you know what the hell happened to them but it was just like I couldn't handle I couldn't hang with the that board anymore yeah she gets I mean Demo listen, the demo listen groups, the closest I can think of to anything that gets like as wild as like this, <laughs> the Rev or B9 boards were. Like, I, did you guys see the other day somebody had like, I guess Demo Listen had posted about a bear, talked about a band on the podcast and, and a bunch of people bought the, <laughs> bought the tape and then it came with yeah. like white nationalists, like, propaganda material i was like i was like that's par for the course it really is well what's funny is i remember hearing the band i was like this is pretty good and then i i looked at how much their tape would cost or even just buying their shit on on Bandcamp, and i was like no nah, i don't want to spend that money and i guess i'm pretty glad i did <laughs> so yeah yeah it's it, it's funny like you know it we're in 2021 and it's weird when you're talking to bands and you're like, Hey, by any chance, nobody in here is like a rapist or, you know, drops the N word or, you know, is a, is a white nationalist. Right. It's, it's like a weird conversation to have. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I haven't listened to that podcast in a minute, uh, but that makes me want to check that episode out. (laughs) Not because I want to listen to the white nationalist band, but I, I, uh, I'm I'm curious, <laughs> just about the conversation, I guess. Well, I, I'm curious of the next episode when they talk about the conversation that was had right, afterwards. Yeah. Oh, was, it, <laughs> was it like the most recent episode that this happened? Um, I think it was like two episodes back. Let's okay, see how yeah. I can. But yeah, but it's like a, you know, the next episode they have will probably be, you know, because it it took it took a minute for the. Uh, you know, people to buy the tape and get the tape in the mail and then be like, Oh, Hey, the, the fuck black lives matter sticker came with it. <laughs> it's, um, it's the August 30th episode. Okay. And the band, the band in question is called Grimyard. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grimyard. So, so hey, Rich, speaking of podcasts, are you not doing the gas station attendant one anymore? Um, we are, but there's some like, so we interviewed a, a band, some old friends of ours and um, the singer of the band's a teacher and he did the interview and then he kind of freaked out cause he's worried that someone at his school will hear it. And so we're trying to navigate that. It's not dead. It's just right now is moving very slowly is all. Gotcha. I, I've been having so much fun listening to that because that's like an era of like West Michigan hardcore that is just like a total blind spot to me. Yeah, it was so it like, was a weird era. 
it's just <laughs> like it, you know just like before my time like but yeah just like talking to you on like facebook like you got me into like jihad and all that mm-hmm. all that shit and, yeah. and then what's that council records like i've been like i've done like a deep dive on that like their band oh yeah. yeah yeah well actually sean you're gonna be seeing a council records band tomorrow um wrong war is really good that's like a dude from ottawa right yeah yeah it was yeah. one of the singers yeah I've, I've listened to them they're pretty cool rich i need an honest answer here how many gas station attendant jackets have you owned in your lifetime well i have one that someone sent to me um in the mail recently just as a gift um from the 90s but honest i guess two maybe like that one and in, in one I had in my early twenties. I had a, a good like, riddance one. Or late teens. Like that oh, man. that really was like Brad, I don't know if that was your era at all, but there was a time when bands would just buy all these gas station attendance jackets mm-hmm. and then screen print them with their logos mm-hmm. and still leave like the name tag on there from Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I had I thought I was fucking the shit with my good riddance jacket <laughs> i was uh i was i was at my first show back it was uh inclination and some kid was walking around with a mouthpiece gas station shirt and i was just like man i hope this i hope this isn't coming back this i hope it does yeah. i hope this comes back 90s trends are coming back man they are yeah. they are in a big way i uh I've been looking at like a lot of these, like the, you know, younger bands, like one step closer. I think I just posted a thing online uh, yesterday about how they all look like uh, extras in, uh, in an episode of boy meets world. Oh, they totally do. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the the middle part and the uh, Tommy Hilfiger Jersey. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing they're missing is airwalks. None of, none of the kids are bringing that back. Do they still make airwalks? I think they do. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, at least you could wear DC shoes if you can't find Airwalks. I know they still make DCs. I think one of the big differences from then to now is like, so kids are wearing like high waters, it seems like, but they're baggy high waters. Yeah. In the 90s, if you wore high waters, they were skin tight. Otherwise, your baggy pants were just fucking not clearing your shoes oftentimes. Uh, we used to call those street sweepers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you'd wear these pants that were so baggy that they had just like, you know, collect whatever dirt and mud and debris was on the ground and soak it up into your pants. Oh, and frayed, frayed the bottoms of your jeans being frayed is coming back in a big way as well. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was never a good look. No, it wasn't. See, I, but I can I, guarantee that Sean and I both had a few pairs of jeans. Oh, with. yeah, I, I did, I did too. That was like middle school for me. I was never cool, but so it it makes it good that I could just wear whatever I want, knowing that I was never cool, and I'll just continue not being cool, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> like I will still just I will wear camouflage shorts, camo cargo camouflage shorts until I die because that's what I want to wear. And it'll, it'll go from cool to not cool, back to cool again, not cool and cool again before I die. I know. So with the way everything like old is new again, I wonder if like that early 2000s sort of like Hopecon look with like diesel jeans and, 
uh, you know, oh, uh, man. what was the, um, like the Castro hats and shit. I wonder if that'll ever oh, come yeah. back. Yeah. You just got to give it another <laughs> probably 10 years. Well, like, so, you know, a band like Time and Pressure very much like they sound of that era, but they look like, they look like they're the fucking outsiders. Like they have like slick hairdos and like, I don't know. Stay gold, early, boy. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I just hope that puka broken. shell necklaces don't come back. <laughs> yeah. What were those? That, I never hear anybody talk about them anymore. Those old um, like chokers that kids used to wear in the 90s, the, uh, the big metal balls. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like that was from like my so-called life. <laughs> yeah. I definitely had one. I don't think I ever had one of those, but I never had I a puka I, shell necklace. Um, I think I bought I had my some... choker the same day I bought my first Collective Soul cassette. So <laughs> <laughs> I had some beaded chokers, and then eventually I got cool enough to to have the like Tallahassee beads. Was that beads. was was that when you were you know playing the tambourine at the airport? That phase? <laughs> no. Oh, I did definitely flirt with Krishna consciousness. I never was into Christianity or any of that, but I definitely flirted with the idea of Krishna consciousness. And quite honestly, it was for a girl. So, you know, what's weird is like, I never like came close to being involved in that, but like there was like, I was, I was listening to like all those like Krishna core bands for a while. Like Mm -hmm. that was my jam. Well, I, I, I honestly, don't know how anyone can't not like 108 <laughs> like to be honest 108 is yeah, real man. good yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking great like i was uh, i mean I, I i still fuck with uh shelter quite a bit too oh yeah shelter's great too yeah. you know what's funny is like if if you were to you know write a cliff's note version of shelter and what they're about and present it to me i would be like that is some dog shit <laughs> and you wouldn't be wrong either. And no. but goddamn can they write a tune? You're like they're basically telling you, "Hey, we're going to write a song in every single style that's popular for over this, you know, a 5-year period. Mm-hmm. We're going to write one song from each style and put it on a, the same record." You're like, "That sounds yep. stupid." But they can write a song. You're like, "Yeah, but I mean with the entirety of their discography, I think they've written or written mostly some some trash melodic hardcore songs. <laughs> well, absolutely yeah they're true but like they they dropped a hot ska song and i'm like all right <laughs> this uh, uh, you know i spent my birthday all alone Lama, and you're like hey man this is a good tune here like they they could write a song i mean like yeah, I, mean, I, I, I will I, shit I, I can put on mantra any day that, like, yeah, well, that's a great record i love it and i mean i um like i have like I've spent some money on on shelter records because they're like, "Why well, I like shelter and they've they've put out some um cool records like uh uh end hit records did like some really cool versions of that record when twenty summers pass, yeah, so like one was like the deluxe version, and it's got like it's like a you know the old kids uh, pop up books where you open it up and they when you open up the gatefold of the record it's got like a whole Krishna scene that pops up 
and which is pretty beautiful that artwork is yeah it's super great and it came with like a bag for your krishna beads and (laughs) like all kinds of stuff and that wasn't even the only copy of that record i bought is um uh what's his name eric himley um yeah he did he did two other versions of the cover of that record one with porcel and one with ray that he drew and i was like and I remember I went when I found out about it. I I went to go buy it, and the the Ray one was sold out. And so I bought the Porcel one, and I was like, "This is awesome!" I'm like, "I just wish I would have had the Ray one too," because I'm OCD. And they must have gotten they must have held some back for like a like you know in case there was damages or whatever, like a you know extra stock because they put yeah. they put a couple back in the store and tweeted about uh you know posted on instagram about it so i went back and they're in like the uk so i'm like i'm paying like stupid uk shipping for three different records from of the same album for different artwork <sighs> oh, God, yeah yeah i i thought about picking up a copy of that but I think I can just get like an original pressing on discogs for like 20 bucks so i think oh I should... yeah <laughs> And honestly, like after after um, Mantra, I, I definitely sort of yeah they checked off. out. I wasn't into like, and and my favorite stuff is the first those first two seven inches that went on to be the the quest for certainty twelve inch. That's like that to me is like the stuff with like either with like Vic DeCara in the band or with Tom Capone in the band. That's my, that's the shit that that's my sweet spot is the stuff before Purcell was in the band actually. Yeah. When did Purcell join? It was he on attaining the Supreme. Yeah. That's the first record I think he was on. Yeah. Cause those are, those are my two favorite are attaining and mantra. So I think it's probably the Purcell. Yeah. Shit, shit that I like the best, but. Um, I used to, I used to have this shelter back, back when I could still fit into like a size medium shirt, which was many sizes ago. Uh, there was a, I had like a ringer tee, which like, those are not fat guy shirts at all, but I had a ringer tee for, for shelter. And it had the, uh, like the, the logo from the mantra album, like, uh, when it has like the, the smiley face thing with the, it looks like it's got a bong in his mouth. <laughs> Cause they had like, they had like multiple different artwork for that record. Not the one with like the, you know, the Krishna person or the, you yeah, know, the God. It's like, it's, the, uh, it's like the European pressing has, has like the, yeah, the, the, one with the, the logo <laughs> thing. And like, I had that and it said shelter and I, my roommate had it and he's like, and he was getting out of his shelter phase and he's like, do you want to buy this shirt for five bucks? I was like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, I wish I still had it. Cause I could probably sell that on like Depop. Oh yeah. I have so many good shirts that I'm like basketball jerseys and shirts that I'm like, I could probably sell this for good money on Depop, but I'm like one day I'll get back down to a large <laughs> and then I'll have no cool shirts to wear. Yeah. I've, I've got, I, I, uh, for years would just like give away all my cool shirts, like to friends that were smaller sizes than me as I grew out of them. But I think in like the last couple of years, I finally started putting them all in bins 
I think now, especially because I've got a kid and I'm like, well, maybe, you know, when he gets a little older, he can just take him from me if he like gets into this shit. Uh, that's that's the thing. I'm not pushing hardcore on my kid. Like she will I mean, find out and she'll get into it, it but I'm not going to push it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's like the, you know, like I, I don't just, I still listen to it when he's around. So like, mm-hmm. I think he might just like get some of it through osmosis, you know? So, you know, maybe he'll think, maybe he'll grow up on shelter the way I grew up on Herman's Hermits. <laughs> yeah like i, I i'm not gonna hide her shelter her from it huh, shelter um but i i'm also not gonna push it on my kid and uh but she she does she definitely likes a lot of hardcore and she's like she likes uh the frenetic sound of it you know it's it's like crazy for her so but i'm like you know hardcore was a cool life for me and i i love the music but and you, you see some shit going growing up hardcore. So I'm like, I'm not trying to push that on my kid. Mm-hmm. Like go yeah, through, grow through your pop pop phase and, and, and live, live your best life kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my kid's only one and a half right now. So I, he pretty much just wants to listen to the frozen soundtrack. So <laughs> yeah. Like my, my daughter, like, uh, she's, uh, she's got a friend whose grandparents live a couple doors down from us. So whenever they're watching her, she'll go and play. And um, like uh, the aunt and uncle were like, oh, we'll put on music for you guys to dance or whatever. So they like take turns. They're like, you know, they're like, oh, you at, you play a song. And the, the little girl, she basically listens to like kids bop. It's like everything is kids bop. And which is dog shit. It's like literal, <laughs> they take like the worst songs and then they make them worse. And so they were like, Oh, you know, to my daughter, they're like you pick a song and she's like sick of it all. <laughs> it's like these people just didn't know what to do with her, man. That's tight. That I, sick of it all is probably one of the uh, earliest hardcore bands. I think I ever heard. And I, I, they're still probably one of my favorite. I think, uh, Luke Kohler has the best voice in hardcore, period. So your daughter's got good taste. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember, like, when I was, like, God, it must have been, like, a freshman in college, maybe a sophomore, probably a freshman. And um, the Misfits, Sick of It All, and H2O went on tour. And uh, my roommate and I knew the guys from H2O, so we got backstage passes and we went Chicago, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Detroit. It wasn't in Detroit. It was Pontiac. It was Pontiac, Michigan. Um, and we went to like all these shows. And Pontiac was wild because while we were inside, a blizzard hit. There wasn't a flake of snow when we went inside. And we came out. And was that 94 that runs along? Yeah. They shut down 94. Um, so we, we actually, at the end of the show, like, uh, one guy that went with us was like, I got to go to work in the morning. I'm like, uh, I have a test tomorrow, so I got to get back. So we start trying to drive back and we skidded off the road and we made it all the way to Ypsilanti mm-hmm. and we slept in a gas station parking lot in the car in, in Ypsilanti. And, and then like, uh, you know, the, the 
the car was like ice cold and we didn't have enough gas. So we had to like start it for a while and get the heat going and then turn it off. It was awful. But um, Lou took me around to meet everybody from the misfits because like they didn't let anybody go into their dressing room. And he took me in uh, to meet everybody. It was, that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So Brett, what, what is stuff that uh, you think everybody should check out that, that maybe they haven't checked out? Like some like newer shit, newer shit, older shit, things that you think not a lot of people, not enough people listen to that they should be checking out. Uh, um, you know that, uh, oh, that band Springtide. Have you heard that band? Yeah. Great band. Yeah. It's, um, Trevor Vaughn from like rival mob and X-Files X and shit. It's like him doing like a more like Rev Summer meets Mm -hmm. like hot water music kind of thing. It's, it's phenomenal. It's so good. Um, I think like Blind Rage Records just did like a whole discography for them because they they just like released like a whole bunch of demos on like yep. Bandcamp and stuff. I think he did some yep. stuff on his label Massachusetts Glory, but uh, but yeah, it's incredible. If you like that, like if you like Rites of Spring and that kind of stuff, it's it's very good. Um, uh, there's that band Pete's Test from like the. Mm-hmm. Um, where are they from? I think like Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're they're incredible. It's like a band I can't stop listening to. They put out like a put out a seven inch that made me two years ago. Uniform Repression. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, fast core stuff with like some power violence parts. It's I don't know. It's very good. Um, I want to say I think uh, To Live a Lie put that out. Yeah, I think them in Blind Rage possibly, but definitely okay. To Live a Lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh locally uh there's um like our best friends uh bitter truth uh they're like it's like a grand rapids band they're incredible if you like it's very like down to nothing uh backtrack style hardcore um eric scobie put out their stuff didn't he or no they're doing stuff with uh patient zero oh okay Um, Okay. they actually have a new record coming out i think for pre-order tomorrow um called perfect world like i've heard the whole thing and it's fucking awesome like that record's gonna blow up um and i uh yeah so i would definitely check that out tomorrow i don't, I, I don't know when this comes out but yeah uh, that'll so be my, yeah we'll have it out a couple of days but it'll be out by then yeah. but yeah it's uh um yeah i've got that on my my uh outlook calendar to to pre-order it when it tomorrow yeah it's it's very good the whole record is really good it's it's I like, I don't think there's like a bad song on it. So, um, but I am biased, but yeah, they're great friends. They're all very <laughs> old friends. Um, and, and then like last gasp is pretty fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. their guitar player is like my old roommate from way back in the day. Um, oh, I didn't realize that they had member people from Michigan. Yeah. He's, uh, bit. he's originally from Traverse city. Oh, wow. Um, and then moved down to grand Rapids for school for a little while and lived with me and a bunch of other guys and, uh, we became like really good friends. We're like still really close. Like he bought my son, his crib. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but that band rules. Like if you haven't heard them, they're, uh, I mean, it's just like very punk hardcore, like really good shit. So. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh bitter truth. They're playing uh prom core. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, I'm going down for that, so it'll be. Uh... Yeah, I'm actually seeing them tomorrow. Um, the uh, there's an old venue from Grand Rapids called Skeletones. It was like our old, like it was like an all ages venue that closed down almost ten years ago now, or a little over ten years ago. Um, and they're reopening, and tomorrow night's the grand reopening, and Bitter Truth is playing that. Is that that place that was next to Vertigo? Yeah, it's like uh, right where the Reptile House used to be. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I think I saw Sick of It All there like 13, 14 years ago probably. Yeah, it was Sick of It All and Down to Nothing. Yep, I think yep. Modern Life is War was supposed to play, but it had to drop or something. But Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, I was at yep. that show. Yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like so, I'm very excited to see that venue reopened. Uh, we're we're playing the next night, so it's like the sort of like grand reopening weekend. So, but but yeah, so like yeah, bitter truth, last gasp, great shit. <laughs> yeah, bitter truth and last gasp are real good. I'll have to check out some of those other ones. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And then <laughs> Sunday, I'm seeing uh, that ba- uh, that dude Vinny from uh, you know like the movie Life and uh, mm-hmm. I Am the Avalanche. Um, I'm seeing him in like a friend's backyard. I think he's like doing like a solo set. But uh, oh, wow. but he's in like a band that I think is like totally overlooked. That's on Rev called Constant Elevation. Um, it's him and Sammy Sigler. From like Judge and Youth of Today and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's like them doing like a hardcore band, and it's like really good. And I've never heard anybody mention it. Vinny but. from the movie Life um, went out and was uh, helping record the uh, the new Ill Communication record. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. I'll, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm seeing him Sunday. I'll have to talk to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, Brett, thank you so much for yep. for joining the show tonight. Uh, you know, I know you guys are on the East Coast time, so um, I know Rich is Rich is wiping his sleepy eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been like it's past my bedtime for the last half an hour. <laughs> yeah, sorry for keeping you guys up so late. We had to like oh, it's oh no, it's yeah. time for my kid and yeah. everything. So no, no, it's fine. Um, but thank you so much for uh, for being on, and everybody go out and pre-order the uh, the seven inch for Prison Suicide on anothercityrecords.com. Um, it's it's streaming everywhere. And uh, anything else you want to plug, Brett? Uh, well, we've got our show on Saturday. I don't know if this will be out before that, but um, uh, and then December fourth, I'm. Uh, booking uh this next sweat fest so keep an eye out for that we're we're putting in the uh lineup out on um next wednesday the 15th so it's a really cool lineup this year so awesome yeah well thanks so much for being on yeah and uh yeah yeah. thank you thank you for having me it's uh it's been fun (laughs) and uh yeah thanks everybody for listening to this episode uh and until next time